Welcome to Let's Hear It. Let's Hear It is a podcast for and about the field of foundation and nonprofit communications, produced by its two co-hosts, Eric Brown and Kirk Brown. No relation. Well said, Eric. I'm Kirk. And I'm Eric. The podcast is sponsored by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation and the Lumina Foundation. Thank you so much for your generous support. We're talking to people about their work and what's happening in the field with the hopes of making this growing arena a little more accessible to us all. You can find Let's Hear It on any podcast subscription platform. You can find us on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast. And you can email us at hello at letshearitcast.com. Let us know if you have any thoughts about what you hear today, including people we should have on the show. And if you like the show, please, please rate us on iTunes so more people can find us. Yes, what he said. Now, let's get to the show. Let's hear it. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of Let's Hear It. Um, we are entering ComNet season, and appropriately this week, Eric... We have two stars for the Communications Network on the podcast for a really engaging conversation about what's ahead with the Communications Network conferences coming in October in Austin. Awesome conversation. Very generous of these two um, superstars to spend some time with us on the podcast. Set this up and we'll talk more about what you guys discussed after. Well, yes, you're right. For starters, it is Communications Network conference season the run-up to the comnet conference mm-hmm. where I, don't know, I was on we talk about the communications network all the time but for <laughs> me it is it has been the most the singular most valuable professional association i've i've had in my career for people who are going to austin in the first week of october we talk a little bit about folks who are going to be there and why it's such a good thing to do for people who can't make it two things i would say one Put it on your. They will announce what the date is, and there's you know there's always an exciting reveal about where the next place to go is. Uh, they'll do that at the end of the conference. So buy your tickets early because it sells out. Uh, put it on your calendar if you can all swing it. It's not cheap, but it's like I said, a really important professional association. And the other thing is that they will be live streaming a number of the events and certainly lots and lots and lots of social media and live tweeting and all that jazz. So if you can't go to Austin, I hope that this conversation is still relevant. But the conference itself is over a thousand people who work in foundation and nonprofit communications, exchanging ideas, meeting in the hallways, having a cocktail and listening to great speakers and participating in really interesting breakout sessions. And, oh, well, right. And so <laughs> now, now, now I'll set up the conversation. Oh, you know. Uh, so Jade Floyd is the vice chair of the Communications Network. She's the vice president for communications at the Case Foundation of Steve and Jean Case of AOL fame. Remember AOL? Uh, and Stefan Lanfer, who is the director of communications, it's the number one communications job at the Bar Foundation. Jim Canales' boss isn't quite as um, generous with titles, Jim. Maybe, you know, Stefan should be, but no, I, I, you, you do what you, you be you, Jim. Uh, but uh, Stefan is the, the director of communications at the Bar Foundation, and he is the chair of the communications network. And Stefan famously took the stage in San Francisco last year wearing a Spider-Man's costume. And you'll hear him talk a little bit about those past board chairs who did the Blue Blazer thing. And I'm sure he wasn't talking about me. Lots of good stuff here from Stefan and Jade, who are both quite generous to join us on the podcast. And also, just the Communications Network Conference as a whole just reflects all of the generosity and work, not just of the Communications Network staff, because that's a growing team over there, but also the many people that are um, supporting this whole enterprise. And I would say, even though it isn't cheap to get to the conference, it's absolutely worth it. And even if you can't do those things, Eric, I would say this interview is well worth it in terms of the setup, because the Communications Network does such a good job of posting all of the content related to the conference, both, you know, before, during, and after. So even if you can't pay the admission to get in, I think that you can um, get a lot of value from all that's going into everything that the Communications Network is working on. So this was just a treat. Um, Jaden, Stefan, thank you for joining us on the podcast. And let's listen, and then Eric will come back and we'll talk after. Sounds good. Welcome to Let's Hear It. My guests this time are Jade Floyd, who's the Vice President for Communications at the Case Foundation, 
in Washington, D.C., and Stefan Lanfer, who is the Director of Communications at the Bar Foundation in Boston, Massachusetts. And Stefan, you are the chair of the board of the Communications Network, a great organization. And Jade, you're the vice chair. And we're having a conversation this time. We have actually have two guests at one time. Should be very exciting. And we're having a conversation to preview the ComNet conference, which is coming up the first week of October in Austin, Texas. And well, the first thing I have to know from Stefan is, well, heaven knows how you're going to land on the stage this time. Do you happen to have something special planned? I do. Oh, oh. more Lycra? <laughs> is there Lycra? <laughs> you know, Lycra was still last year. <laughs> okay, is it chain mail? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's less about the costuming. I'll say that much. Oh, oh okay. Oh, it's know, less about the costuming. You know, yeah. I violated the first cardinal rule of, you know, superhero dumb is you don't show your secret identity. Uh, no, 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 that's, that's true. Well, um, for those of you who weren't there at the 2018 Communications Network Conference, uh, Stefan Lanford took the stage as the incoming chair in a Spider-Man costume. And I just have to say, Stefan, thank you for wearing little shorts. Thanks. That was a suggestion of my team. I appreciated that. <laughs> and my mother insisted when I told her what I was considering. <laughs> well, <laughs> needless to say, and you may have already be thinking about this, Jade, but, uh, well, I guess Stefan set the bar high to uh, to top that madness. Oh, I've already been thinking about it. I, um, no joke, have uh, done some brainstorming already. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> and it, I will bring down the house. And I don't doubt it. Ceremony is definitely one of the things that I am most excited about in a year. There's going to be many more brainstorm sessions. I will take up a lot of my team's time on this and maybe our interactive strategies team and use some of our in-house technology uh, services that <laughs> might blend my way. Satellites will be deployed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of responsibility, I mean, and I take it, it very is. seriously. Th those five minutes, they go by quick. <laughs> or, the, or they go by very slowly, <laughs> if you're the one on stage. I, th I think I planned about 30 seconds in advance to, to figure out which of the, the two blue blazers I was going to wear. <laughs> you know, like the blue one or the blue one? Yeah. Okay, well, let's talk about you both and a little bit about the communications network. On, the, on this podcast, we've talked a lot about the communications network and how it brings people together. And I, I mean, I remember my first days at the Hewlett Foundation in 2003, one of the first pieces of advice I got was you should go to the communications network conference. And that was, like I said, 2003 at the club quarters in Chicago. And, and now as I think about it, this is my 17th consecutive communications network conference. But I mean, Needless to say, things have changed a great deal, but some of the things that have stayed the same are that it was a place where people make connections. So so that's my communications network story, but I'd love to hear both of yours. And um, so I guess I'll start with Jade. How did you first get involved in the network? Like you, it had a lot to do with, you know, the team here at the Case Foundation. Um, here at our organization, we have the opportunity to experience any professional development opportunity we want to. Um, the foundation will send you just about anywhere that you want to go. And I made the decision one year, I want to go to Detroit. And <laughs> that was my very first ComNet um, in Detroit. It was actually my first time in Detroit. So it was really amazing to experience that city. And my then boss, our SVP of communications, Allie Burns, really encouraged me to become a member um, and make it an active part of my professional development. And since then, I've had, you know, the pleasure of moderating Soledad O'Brien on stage at ComNet San Diego. I've joined and launched the ComNet DC Local Leadership Group, which now has had over a dozen events and nearly a thousand attendees. And now I have the honor of serving on the ComNet board and I get to take over the reins next year and um, become our board chair, which is a really exciting opportunity. And Stefan, how about you? Where did you first get involved? You know, similar story to yours. Um, I have been at the Bar Foundation since 2008, and that was the end of Bar's first decade of being an anonymous foundation. Um, 
I wasn't here to do communications because um, we didn't do any at all. Um, and it was about, about a year later, the trustees decided they were ready to move away from that phase of being anonymous. And my job morphed into including some facets of communications. It was still a bit tentative, the extent to which we were ready to do any. Um, so my title was knowledge officer. It was a little mysterious, but I was doing communications activity. It was really my first job in, in this field. And like you, I had a colleague who said, you need to check out this conference. Um, and for me that year was the 2010 Los Angeles conference was my first. Um, and I've, I think been to everyone since. And you know, very early on, it's part of the story that I told after I made my way up on stage in the Lycra bodysuit. Um, you know, I, I came to that gathering knowing almost nothing about this field, nothing about what was even in the toolkit that a communications professional has in the social sector. Um, and I was a team of one, you know, which is actually the case for most, I think most in our sector, there's a few who work at these, you know, large shops like a Robert Wood Johnson that has, you know, 40 some odd people on their team. I know it's grown a lot at Hewlett where you were, you know, we're up to three at the Bar Foundation, but to come into a, a a room, you know, full of hundreds of peers, you know, who are dealing with the same issues, you know, and the story you just told, you you were, you know, there a few years before me. And when I reached out to Bruce Trachtenberg, who was the ED at the time to say, you know, is there anybody, you know, that I should talk to who has done this before, who's kind of built something from scratch, you know, as they're figuring it out themselves. He said, you need to talk to this guy, Eric Brown. And you took my calls. I took your calls? You did. <laughs> no, they I, maybe were more memorable for me than for you, but you, no, you took my <laughs> you took I, my call. I remember and, you, Stefan. I oh, took thanks. your call, and others did too. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, and that's the that's the ethos of the whole network. You know, we take those calls from each other, and now you know, I, I take them more than I make them, but I still make them because I'm still figuring out. You know what what are the opportunities in this space? Well, you know, it's really interesting because. Stefan, you started small. You started, you were the first person in communications in your shop. And nine years ago, the network was a whole lot different. And now, I mean, Jade, you've jumped on this fast-moving train. Mm-hmm. And Jade, you dived right in and you started uh, ComNet Local, which was a thing that didn't even exist when Stefan or I first got involved in the in the communications network. And so one of the things I'm I'm really interested in is how you two compare your experiences and what you each got out of your participation in the communications network and uh, and you know how how it's helped you professionally. Yeah, I mean I think that's one of the exciting things about Comnet in general is it's a rocket ship. It's an organization that is, you know, well beyond its years and always, you know, trend setting. And I think that that's incredibly useful in our sector as communicators. And um, as Stefan said, you know, learning from your peers and making those calls and being able to pick up the phone. Um, I think that that's so important for us. And one of the things that I've loved the most about it, and Stefan, I, I don't know if you agree, but, you know, anytime I'm going to a new city in the U.S., I pick up the phone and some of the first people that I'm going to cocktails with, that I'm sitting down for lunches with, are those who are members of ComNet. So there's this sense of community that's really built from all of it. And I think, you know, across both his and mine tenure, that's one thing that will continue to reign true is, you know, building that sense of community. Yeah, that's really interesting. And we'll talk about more about this and uh, a little bit more about the conference after the break, but I wanted to talk just a little bit about how you each got to the role that you're in right now. And I guess I'll I'll start with you, Jade. How did you get started in this work and how did you end up at Case? Oh, wow. So I've been in D.C. for about 15 years. Um, I interned uh, 15 years ago while I was a graduate student at the University of Akron. And once again, my fellow um you know, colleagues on campus were going to internships all over the world. I had friends going to Australia, um, friends going to Africa, and I said, I'm going to Washington, D.C. And I made that decision to, you know, ride that train to D.C., and I ended up staying. Uh, I was offered a job from the internship that I um, had that year. And since then, I've had, you know, the opportunity to work for a leading international public affairs firm where I worked on a number of Fortune 500 clients, 
foreign governments and wine regions, the Champagne and the Port wine regions. Um, I also had the chance to work for a teachers association. But for the past eight years, I have been with the cases. And, you know, at the time they were looking for someone that had experience in both business, philanthropy and you name it wine regions. <laughs> I love um, it. So Gene and Steve own a vineyard, uh, as well as a number of, uh, you know, entities across the globe that are in the hospitality industry. And so I was really able to mold this really diverse background that I had working in international public affairs, um, as well as in the association nonprofit space, and bring that here to the foundation. And it's been a great ride. Um, I'm excited to be going on my eighth year. <laughs> Well, Stefan, you are an international man of mystery in your own right. Thanks. And and you're you're a playwright and, and you have an MIT MBA. I mean, what the heck? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> What's the story there? It's 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 the wandering uncertainty of the 20s, I guess. I don't know. Wait, wait, wait. The um, 1920s or your not, 20s? Not the 1920s. Oh, okay. I'm not living. <laughs> okay. Well, also, you have something like 400 <laughs> children. Like, when do you sleep? I, I don't sleep. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, in that case, just tell me about the 20s. <laughs> well, I, I started um, I started writing plays in college. I fell in love with it. It was my first idea. You know, maybe this is what I'm, maybe what I am supposed to do with my life is be a playwright. Yeah. Um, and so. <laughs> and, and poor. And poor. Um, actually, I got engaged to my wife around that time, and she met someone who knew a little bit about the theater and just said, run, run <laughs> She's away. Right. So my, I mean, my beginning was I, I worked in some professional theaters, Seattle Repertory Theater in Seattle, Longmore Theater in New Haven. I was helping them um, find and develop new plays. Um, at some point, I got a sense of, you know, I like the writing of theater, but I'm not sure I want to spend my entire professional life in this space. I We moved to Boston. I did some years with a small education nonprofit and then landed at business school <laughs> business where school. they thought where they thought I was a communist because I had come from the nonprofit sector. <laughs> and then I cross registered a class at the at the education school in town and they thought, you know, I was a corporate titan, you know, they didn't understand what I was doing either. But there was, there, there was at each step of the way, it seemed like there was a logic to it. It seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I had this notion that I was going to do more in the education space. Didn't quite find that the first of the three, not 400 children was about to arrive. I took a job doing um, executive education with a strategy consultancy. And then this opportunity at bar emerged where, you know, hearing Jade describe it, um, you know, the curious profile that they were looking for at case, you know, at bar, they were looking for someone with a, you know, nonprofit background sensibilities, as well as kind of business strategy capabilities. That was the notion of what they were looking for when they hired me as the associate for strategy and knowledge in 2008. New knowledge. And, I, and I've never looked back. <laughs> yeah. Not, who, what's not to love yeah, about knowledge? I love knowledge. Um, and my job has continued to evolve and change since then. I mean, partly the pivot to being uh, not anonymous anymore, and then a real change after the arrival of Jim Canales in 2014 um, as our new president. Ah, I'm having Jim. fun. I'm learning a lot. Well, it, this is great. And and uh, we're going to be back right after a break to talk more about the Communications Network Conference for 2019. You're listening to Let's Hear It a podcast about foundation and nonprofit communications hosted by Kirk Brown and Eric Brown. Let's Hear It is made possible through the generous support of the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation and the Lumina Foundation. You can find Let's Hear It online at letshearitcast.com or on Twitter at Let's Hear It Cast. If you're enjoying the show, please rate us on iTunes so more people can find us. Thanks for listening. And now back to the show. And we are back with Jade Floyd and Stefan Lanfer. And we're going to spend a little time talking about the ComNet Conference for 2019 in Austin, Texas, a fabulous city. And I do believe that you hail from the great state of Texas, Jade. Is that right? I am a native Texan. And I um, have called that state home for 24 years until I moved to grad school and then to D.C. 
So it is definitely has a place in my heart. And I'm really excited that we're bringing a thousand communicators to my home state and I get to show it off. Well, I, for one, am really excited about the conference. And Jade, well, what is it you're that most excited about? Well, I think you have to break it down in kind of two buckets. There's the ComNet bucket, professional development bucket, and then there's the Austin have fun bucket. Ah. So let's, let's start with the have fun. No, um, no, I refuse. I, you know, the music- yeah, these, these, these things aren't mutually exclusive, we hope. <laughs> okay, well, have fun. Tell me about having fun in Austin. Well, I mean, the music scene there is unparalleled. Um, Austin's known as the live music capital of the world. Uh, the city itself has about 250 music venues, uh, including the Moody Theater, which um, is the opening night ceremony for ComNet. Um, and it's also a great place because, you know, a number of festivals come to the city and the same week of ComNet. Literally the day after we conclude, the Austin City Limits Music Festival is going to be coming. So there's going to be over 100 acts performing, Guns N' Roses, Lizzo, Cardi B, Childish Gambino, The Cure. So I myself, as well as a number of ComNetters, have tickets for that Saturday, October 5th. So we will uh, be staying over in Austin that weekend following the ComNet conference. And I think on the, you know, the last thing on the food, on the fun side that I would definitely mention is that Austin, it's a food mecca. I always gain pounds when I head back to Texas and there's a laundry list of restaurants that I am a patron of and being from the region, you know, one cannot turn down barbecue. Um, I really love Lay Barbecue, which is uh, right in downtown Austin. They started off as a food truck, and now they actually have a brick and mortar. And just outside of the city, which is down the street from my family's farm, is a barbecue joint called Luling City Market. It's been there for, gosh, since I was born. Um, I remember going there as a young kid. And I just think that, you know, barbecue is one thing that you must experience, but there's some other good restaurants like... Emmer and Rye, Hoover's Cooking, which has good Southern food, um, Olame, which is a James Beard winning chef, um, as well as Carpenter's Hall, which has a great outdoor setting. And the, the Comnet board, we actually visited Austin a few years back for a board meeting, and uh, I took all the board members to the Oasis. I don't know if you guys remember that. I that do. Was, uh, it's outstanding. That was the memorable sunset that we had and the lake, the views uh, of Lake Yes, Travis. yes. It's all so, coming flooding back to me that's now. That's the <laughs> <laughs> Okay, now tell me so, about the conference part. Oh, yeah. So how much longer do we have on this podcast? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> you, can have um, as much, you can have as much time as you want, Jade. <laughs> so I'm really excited. Uh, on Tuesday, there's going to be a day of service. And, you know, we've been doing this for a couple of years where each city that ComNet goes into, we take dozens and dozens of ComNeters out to different um, service projects and nonprofits across the regions that we're in. I'm going to be heading to the Central Texas Food Bank with 20 of my fellow ComNeters. It's this really amazing food pantry. It feeds um, nearly 47 million meals to 21 Texas counties. Um, And that's really important for Austin, which definitely has battled food insecurity, homelessness, and there's a number of families that rely on its services. So I'm really looking forward to the day of service. And for those of you listening, there's a couple of other opportunities, you know, that are still open for organizations like the Mother's Milk Bank at Austin, um, is also um, Community First Village, which supports homeless um, individuals in Austin. So I really encourage you as ComNet members to take part in this Tuesday day of service. You know, one of the other things that I'm really excited about is the breakouts. And there's a lot. There's a lot, a lot, a lot that I'm excited about. There's one that I'm actually the board buddy for on taking climate change, how communications can prompt action and counter opposition. And we're going to be joined by um, some leaders from the MacArthur Foundation, Climate Nexus, Climate Communications, and I believe the Yale program on climate change. So that's really going to include, you know, some lessons from these climate communicators um, that have worked to move the needle on climate solutions. So that's going to be exciting for individuals who are interested in that topic. And then I think the session that I'm most stoked about is this masterclass from NPR Story Lab. They are actually going to have this masterclass held on both Thursday and Friday. I think the the team at ComNet HQ figured that this one would be definitely um, a packed session, so they added a second one. 
Um, so those are kind of the two that are stand out the most in my mind. But, you know, it's just great to see a really diverse slate of speakers um, who are going to be taking the stage. In fact, a number of our main stage speakers are of color. And I'm really proud of, you know, ComNet and how they've set the tone um, to increase diversity amongst our speakers and really walk the walk. And so we're an example that's, you know, for many organizations to follow. Yeah, well, I'm really excited about it. How about you, Stefan? Is there anything that's jumping out at you right now? You know, highlights, it's first and foremost, it's always the people. You know, it's just such a unique gathering. And, you know, reflecting on those earlier days, those first conferences, it was a certain experience when there were, you know, 200, 300, 400 of us. You'd see the same people, and that's great in its own way to reconnect with with old friends and colleagues. And, and yet that that aspiration to community to make this a gathering more that it's not just a professional association. We really mean it when we say that community is a core value. So it's a different experience. You're not going to see just the same people, but you're going to see people who are uh, in it, in the same kind of work, you know, driven by the same mission. And it's just, it's just awesome and inspiring to, to make those new connections, to find ways to, you know, learn from others and, and position yourself to contribute um, to the field in different ways. You know, I, I, I'd say, Echoing what Jade said on all the, you know, the learning opportunities, I'm really looking forward to hearing from Desmond Mead of the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. Um, that organization is going to be the second awardee of the Clarence B. Jones Award, um, something new to the network, acknowledging excellence in in social sector communications and they're just an amazing story. Um, I, I'm excited because I, I nominated them. <laughs> um, but part, I mean, partly, I think that the story there is that it's their their story and their impact is what what rose them to the top. And when the we had the opportunity this year throughout the membership to look at the finalists and look at the nominations and to to provide the judges some you know feedback about what we saw as the strong suits the strong elements of the different different candidates. And they're all, you know, all excellent, all really compelling, except for mine, they were all self-nominations. So they were beautifully written. They were, you know, had all these attachments and details. You know, mine had all these answers to the questions that said, I don't know. You know, it was like the cut and paste from the, the New York Times article that I'd found about their story that just blew my mind. Because I just followed, you know, it's one of the stories of the last year's election that really caught my attention that in Florida, two-thirds of the voters voted to give uh, formerly incarcerated people the right to vote. When I saw that, I just thought there has got to be a communication story, you know, under the surface of that. And as I started looking into it, you know, found the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition, read Desmond's own story, which is amazing. And just the ways that they brought communications and smart communications into that campaign. You know, I just can't wait to hear hear more about that. I mean, getting, it's it's storytelling, it's unlikely messengers. You get the the, the white church ladies who are going to the, the Rotary Clubs and saying, you know, when I was a kid, I made a stupid mistake. I went to jail for it, paid my debt to society. And for the rest of my life, I cannot vote in the state of Florida. You know, to change the face of who's, you know, recognized as, you know, suffering under these unjust laws, you know, I, I just can't wait to hear more about that and more of what's next, because clearly that if anyone's following that story is not over. It was a great win in 2018, but very quickly the legislature start, started acting to make it, make it more difficult for formerly incarcerated people to actually exercise that right that the voters clearly are supportive of them having. Well, it's, you know, it's just so extraordinary. First of all, I remember back when the awards in communications and philanthropy were about who had the best annual report. But, you know, this is really amazing because here are communication strategies that were used to move audiences who had voted for a Republican governor and who, who were now voting for the right to let formerly incarcerated people vote. Now, that's Amazing. That's, you know, it's just really uh, an incredible development and it's fabulous for our field. I mean, I just have so much to learn from someone like that. I'm just excited in general. Oh, oh, and uh, and Stacey Abrams, she might be kind of interesting, too. Oh, right. Yeah. A little. By, by the way, Janet Mock. I mean, what, what a lineup. It's going to be it's going to be outstanding. Oh, and you got to watch Pose, you know, before you head to ComNet and see Janet Mock's new show on FX. Yes, 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 yes. I have them all downloaded and I'm going to binge on Pose. 
So there's that. Now, another thing that I really wanted to just talk to you a little bit about is that one of the great things about this work and about the people who are in it is that they will give you candor. And this, you know, it's a little t- tricky with the ph- the funder-grantee relationship, but even then, once you build trust, I think you have an, a real good opportunity to hear from people who will actually tell you what they think, and they will give you the kind of feedback and advice that will allow you to improve your work. I mean, I think that's the core of this organization. It's the core of what we do. And I just was curious about whether either of you have a story to tell about an opportunity that you had to go out and reach out to somebody and connect with them and to get some good, honest, useful feedback. Well, that, that's kind of stuff I did when I was calling you back in the day. And I, I you know, I'm, I think that we, we live in this culture that seems to prize the, you know, the decisive leader, the intuitive leader who, you know, knows what to do right away and sticks with it. I'm not, I'm not such a big believer in that. It may, maybe it's just because I don't have so much confidence in the first ideas that I'm going to come up with or in my own judgment. But I think more it's just a you know, recognition that you need, you need other perspectives, other ideas to help you see your blind spots to, to make things better. And, you know, reflecting on, you know, how often in communications, like, don't don't let the fact that, you know, the journalist you're talking to is on deadline be the thing that makes you just shoot from the hip. <laughs> Take take the time to say, let me get back to you on that, and and talk to your talk to the people who know. You know, think about you know how how you can really position you know your organization, your leadership, the issue in the in the in the best light. Yeah, I I agree. That's a great idea, Jade. I I can I can hear your wheels turning. Yeah, they they were so. You know, one of the best pieces of advice um, that my colleague gave me once was to dig deeper. And, you know, it was in the context of I was having kind of a banner year, had a great amount of press for both our grantees, our foundation, our CEO, and had landed, you know, a full page kind of profile piece on our CEO. So I was thinking, man, you know, I've done it. This is a good year. Like, drop the mic. I'm out. And, you know, my colleague really encouraged me. They were like, dig deeper. There are other opportunities out there. There's other stories that need to be carefully crafted and curated, and there's always something else to be found um, and something else to share. And so, you know, for me, it really kind of opened my eyes. And, you know, I've been in communications for a number of years and have, you know, landed everything from, you know, the Wall Street Journal, Bloomberg, Forbes, Fortune, you name it. But then it started to have me thinking a little bit differently about, you know, the types of publications. And it wasn't always the glossy, big, high profile publications that I needed to be thinking about. Sometimes it was, you know, a smaller community paper. Maybe it was, you know, a local business journal or, you know, a really thought provoking piece in a publication that was a little bit off the radar, but was in our niche market. And so... I really started to change the strategy um, and started to expand a lot of our outreach to publications that weren't ones that we always would have thought of and ones that we already had a great relationship with. And so I think that that was a really great advice for me to think a bit more strategically and kind of open my mind to other publications that don't always have the same readership or clicks um, as some of the larger publications. Well, my last question is about the future and about young people. I ask this a lot. We talk about it a lot on this on this show. But what what do you say to the next generation, people who are interested in getting involved in communications in general or maybe even philanthropy more specifically? What kind of advice do you give for young people? I've had the pleasure of being a mentor to a number of young people who have worked here at the Case Foundation and at other places what really excites me is one, I learned so much from them. I probably learned more from them than they could possibly ever learn from me. But one of the things I always tell any young person that I come across, whether it's my nephews or someone who I work with, is that you really have to commit to being a good sponge and that you really need to spend time absorbing as much knowledge as possible. Um, and I think as communicators who work for foundations and nonprofits, it's important for us to soak up that knowledge from our sector. Um, and from the people that we're trying to serve. 
So that's one thing that we always encourage, you know, here at the Case Foundation is that when we embark on a movement or a campaign, we kind of go, we dive in and we as a team really soak up as much as we can about a sector, the issues facing the communities we're trying to serve. And I think that's just so important across your professional career as well as your personal personal endeavors to be a good sponge. Be a good sponge. I love <laughs> that. Stefan, how about you? You know, we joked earlier about my my wandering twenties, but but sometimes you know my ad, ad, advice to people who are interested in philanthropy or philanthropy communications is actually to do something else, not not to say don't do it, don't go after it, but actually do something else first. You know, be be a journalist, work work in a nonprofit or a for profit. You know, pursue your passions. You know, your creative, artistic passions, whatever whatever it may be. You know, because all of that is an asset when you when you come to the phase of your career where um, you really can't contribute. You know, you can learn. I think you can learn the skills, the tactics, the tools, and the communications toolkit on the job. But the thinking, the the strategy, the perspective. You know, as Jade is saying, on the world, you know, how do you be a sponge to all that? You you get that out there and, and you bring it in here and it adds so much, so much value. It's, it's really something that I consider a lot as I'm considering applicants. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. You know, I just wish I had had some life experience, something in my past that I could have drawn upon. <laughs> oh, well. If only. Yeah, no, it's, I guess it's just too late for me now. Oh, well, that's okay. It's been fun. So, well, you know, coming back to this point uh, that I just want to continue to make, we talk about it a lot on the show, but I, I just have to make it again and again, which is that if you're out there and you are interested in learning more, these people, Jade and and Stefan, are two of the most wonderful people I know in this business. They are a lot like a lot of other people. Pick up the phone, make a call, ask for to have coffee get together. This is, we're, you know, we're in the helping professions and it is an extraordinary privilege to work with the both of you and to, to work in this business. Mm -hmm. And so I just want to say thank you again to the both of you, Jade Floyd of the Case Foundation and Stefan Lanfer of the Barr Foundation. I thank you again for coming on this show and I will see both of you in Austin in the first week of October. So thank you again. Happy to. Total pleasure. Thanks, Eric, Absolutely. for asking us. Thanks for having us. All right. We'll see you soon. See you in Austin. And welcome back. So, man, Eric, you've had you've been with your cronies all over the country. <laughs> I don't know where to locate this one geographically, but uh, but this is clearly three. So let me say one thing, and I, I want to make sure that we get this in here. Jade and Stefan are superstars. Yeah. And I, and I, and I want to say that genuinely because, um, so much work goes into all of this effort and all of our people are so happy to do their work quietly behind the scenes without any recognition. It's not why we come to the work that we do, but you hear Jade and Stefan just talk about this, the level of, um, just commitment they have to the work, to the conference, what they hope people are getting out of it. That, for me, was one of the overriding themes from your whole conversation. It wasn't just the cronies kind of kibitzing about how this is all going to go. Kibitzing? <laughs> Did you just say kibitzing? Yeah, that's a Good. nod. No. That's a nod. That's a nod, <laughs> my colleague. You're, that's a nod. You're so Midwestern. <laughs> Come on. A, I can say it. It's, I can say it. It's kibitzing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, Kirk. You were saying? So, but Eric, the thing that just really lands for me as you guys are all talking about this is how much commitment, how much time and effort goes into the Communications Network Conference from a bunch of people and certainly the staff team that's at the Communications Network, but a bunch of people too, in addition to that, that care deeply for how this is going to go and the experience is going to provide all the attendees. And you've watched that grow over time. So I'd love to hear you reflect on that because, again, hearing Jade and Stefan talk about that part of it and just how they were coming to the work was really awesome. was really, really awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, I certainly have to throw a shout out to Communications Network staff and to Sean yeah. Gibbons, the the CEO. They have they have built this thing in, in partnership with the board, but they really have done a ton of great work on expanding the 
just expanding the influence of the of the organization and helping to expand the field. I mean, foundation and nonprofit communications are a different field than they used to be, and this is due in some measure to that kind of leadership. So I, that's why it's so great. It's so cool to look back at that. This is my 17th consecutive communications network conference. And you and I used to go back in the <laughs> way back in the old days. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's a ton of work and but you can see I really do believe that you can see the the effect of that work. I mean just the the Clarence B Jones award this year which yeah. you know went to an organization that helped formerly incarcerated people have the right to vote in Florida. I'm not talking Florida. We're not talking, you know, Florida has a tendency to be a relatively polarizing place, let's just say. So that kind of work, which was not exclusively, but had a a very important communications component to it, that's the effect of good communication strategy, among other very important activities that goes into something that is as monumental as that. So... I think that that's where that's that's the so what of all of this stuff. So one of the one of the recurring things, Eric, is that I just keep getting more and more convinced that doing a podcast about social change communications is a good idea. It's a terrible idea. Who? No, it it's no. a wonderful idea because <laughs> as you keep hearing these stories, the overwhelming theme is anything is possible. So here's the Clarence B. Jones Award being given to the Florida Rights Restoration Coalition. Stefan, by the way, nominated them. Tracking them down based on what he had been reading and seeing about their work, it's phenomenal. It's phenomenal. And I love that piece underneath, which is Stefan is seeing this highly impactful thing happen in this very unusual place. And he knows his instinct is correct. There's there's a seminal communications activity happening underneath it. And the communications network is pulling these experiences forward so people can can learn more about it. So anything is possible. By the way, Stephen, by the by the way, I need to step in here for a second because Stefan really downplayed the way he gave, did the presentation or the submission and things like that. And you know, it may it, it may be true that they did not self nominate, but Stefan always well. Let's just say I, I'm sure he did a great job with that presentation. <laughs> I think he was being a little modest, but sure, that's that's Stefan. Sure. He is a, a modest fellow, except with the uh, with the suit notwithstanding. So I really liked how you um, broached both with Jade and Stefan their own paths to this field. And once again, once again, we get this illustration. Journey of discovery. It's a journey of discovery, isn't it? (laughs) But then, but then I think not just- Ram Das is my co-host here. Not just the Communications Network Conference, but Jade and Stefan both comment on these other parts of the work that I really want to make sure we don't miss. So Jade- of course, superstar gets involved in DC, and all of a sudden, she's part of the DC Communications Network group that's done. She said a dozen events that have had over a thousand attendees just in DC. So, I would love it if you could talk about that part of the, what the Communications Network is doing, because it's not just this big annual conference, but it's all these regional gatherings now, right, that are happening on this topic. And just for people who might be new to that, could you just give a little bit of an orientation to how that? part of the whole communications network enterprises unfolding. This is one, I think, the thing I'm most excited about, to be honest with you. But way back when, when I was on the board, this was something we talked about, but it was going to take a ton of coordination to mm. ensure that we could disperse or whatever, decentralize some of these activities. And the communications network under Sean and, and his team have taken that what I thought was a great idea and actually made it work. So now I I frankly don't know how many over a dozen cities or regions wow. in the United States have local chapters of the communications network in which you can attend, you can go to mixers, you can learn, you can do all those things that we do once a year, but you can do it in your community. The other thing is that it is one of those opportunities to both have a real hand in how the organization supports its local members because anybody who raises their hand basically can participate in a planning event or be on kind of a leadership team that puts these events together. It the Part of it is that it gives everybody, anybody who's really interested, an opportunity to do more. 
And these events have been really, really good. And as Jade said, I mean, she's done a great job in D.C., I have to tell you, doing really, really good organizing and getting great events on. Uh, but they're they're all over the place. There's one down in Monterey, believe it or mm-hmm. not, which is not a big, you know, not a big community. Right. Not a huge population. They have a, they have a, an, an active chapter. We've got one in San Francisco. There's one in Silicon Valley. They kind of two versions of this, you know, northern and southern part of the peninsula. But we go to each other's events and things like that. But there's there's a whole lot of activity there. There's one in Denver. There's in Chicago. They're, they're all over the place. And that's great. And so you're, you're never that far away. I mean, some folks have to travel further than others if they're mm. in a rural community. But you're much closer to the having the chance to sit and meet and build relationships and learn that you would also get in the national conference, but in a much the national conference is kind of chaotic sometimes. There's a thousand people there. Right. Yeah. This is these these events kind of remind me of what you and I used to go to way back when the communications network was a much, much smaller enterprise. So it, it is an attempt to give some of that close, small personal connection to this work that is a little harder to do when you're getting that big. Well, in building community, that idea that this is a place to build community just comes out loud and clear. And so Stefan shares his own story of coming into the field, not exactly knowing what this looks like, not having the handy dandy, here's the playbook for all the questions you can ask and get answered available. And so he reaches out to Bruce, the former head of the communications network, and says, who can I talk to? And Bruce says, well, you got to talk to that guy, Eric Brown. And, and, and what I hope That's happens— right, He'll talk to anybody. He'll talk to anybody. <laughs> but, but, but to me, the marker there and what I hope is happening and continues to happen as this grows is that that idea that I come, I join this community, but I'm overwhelmed. I still have questions I need to get answered. Who can I call? You said it on the interview— if you call Jade, if you call Stefan, if you call any number of their peers in the field, they're going to pick up the phone and talk to you. That piece of this just feels like it's it's important beyond measure for how all of this works. Yeah, I'm not making this up either. For people who are listening, if there is something they want to know and somebody they want to speak with, call them. Send them a note. I'm, I promise they'll get back to you because that's what we do. This is what our profession is is built on. And people get busy. It may be a little time getting back to you, but people will respond in ways that will surprise you. And I think that sometimes we just, we don't want to bother people or we feel like it's not our place. But particularly for people who are new to this profession, who are working their way um, through it, it's such a great opportunity to learn and to teach as well. I learn near way more than I teach from people who I communicate with on a regular basis who just contact me because they think I might be able to offer them some ideas. So it sounds like Stefan has something special planned again for this year. <laughs> we'll see what happens. You know, he's a really <laughs> talented playwright, by the way. He's a, and you know, Stefan <laughs> Stefan's a very quiet fellow and he's very low key. Uh, yet uh, un- underneath that that placid surface is a creative mind that uh, is really surprising and delightful. Well, and I just for Jane and Stefan both how their mix of past experiences became kind of a match for where they are currently located professionally. It was just great. Like Jane's got some background, I think, in the wine industry. Was that part of vineyards or something? So <laughs> so this whole uh, reservoir of experience we pull on. And, and I love that in exchange you had when you were kind of asking for the um, – you know, the advice or the thoughts or comments they give to folks who might be new to the field and, and, um, you know, ideas for people. And, and, and Stefan had that idea. He's like, you know, maybe you should do something else first, you know, try some other things so you can pull in that reservoir of experience. Um, two other just, or three things really. So first the, the ComNet agenda itself just looks to be unbelievable. I mean, just in terms of all the sessions you guys are talking about the work that happens, but there's also a day of service component yep. of ComNet. And so how cool is that? So people are going out and doing service work. Um, that's that, that just seems amazing. I loved, and I think it was Jade, it might have been Stefan, but it's it, very early one of them commented on that um, you know, this whole thing was a memorable part of the experience of communicate of the communications network conference. And it struck me 
that's a key idea, isn't it? This isn't just a conference. This is an experience. This is a professional development experience. And, and that idea that this is, be, this is a much more interactive, a much more engaging platform for people to try things out and learn really struck me that that's been really part of the genius of the communications network conferences that's evolved over time. Do you think that that's true? Would you agree oh, with that? Totally. Totally. It's, and the day of service is really valuable. It's an opportunity both to give, give back to a community and also to engage with your fellow participants in a deeper, uh, different way. There's pre-conference workshops. There are a lot of things that happen in the conference that are outside of the conference room per se and, and which give you field trips and other things like that. It's, it is an, it's a great big week-long experience, my favorite week of the year by far. It's, I'm just so excited about it, really looking forward to it, and so proud of what this thing has become. Well, what a treat. Jade and Stefan, thank you for your work. Communications Network team, thank you for your work. Thank you for sharing with the, sharing this with all of us. And we're going. Really? Uh, let's hear it is going to be the Communications we'll be there. We're Network We're going to barbecue, everything. Man, full, 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 fully embracing the experience um, in Austin. So... What a treat. I can't wait. And um, I would like to make a pitch that we actually do a communications network conference uh, recap after it's over. Good I think idea. we should figure out a way to come back and just, you know, touch on some of the key themes and get some of the folks that were um, that were very much involved in the conference to maybe join us on the podcast and talk more Ooh, about their experience. And Kirk, we buried the lead. We're going to be mm. roving around with our tape recorders at ComNet talking to people throughout the week trying to capture as many voices as we can. We're going to be running and gunning and podcast deading, I think like mini podcasting through that week. So it, it who knows how it's going to end up uh, on the Let's Hear It website, but we, we will be capturing lots and lots of interviews and voices and talking to people. So and who knows, we may be able to put some of them up during that week and we'll just see. But Oh, I, that would be awesome. It's going to be and fun for us too. And a lot of work, but that's okay. That's, you know, we'll sleep when we're dead. <laughs> they might be three-minute conversations. They might be five-minute. They might be longer. But we will hopefully get as many uh, uh, snippets of, 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 of good audio and just good conversations as possible in the, from the conference. Because it's it is it's unparalleled, an unparalleled opportunity to get a, just a really diverse range of people from our field together in one place. So. Yes. So we will be running around putting, you know, hopefully putting microphones in front of people um, in, in not too obnoxious of a way. Which uh, be gentle. Over there. Yes, that's right. That's right. Well, thank you. Anything else, Eric, you want to offer? But man, uh, Communications Network coming this this October in Austin and uh, can't wait. Jaden, Stefan, thank you for joining. Let's hear it. But anything else you want to offer, Eric? Yeah, we'll just see you all in, in, in Austin. Can't see wait. You at Austin. See you at Austin. Thanks, everybody. Okay, everybody, that's it for this episode. Please let us know if you have any thoughts about what you heard today or people we should have on the show, and that definitely includes yourself. We'd like to thank Maggie Brown, our intrepid production coordinator. Sarah Morgan, our tireless social and digital media maven. John Ali, the tuneful and inspiring composer of our theme music. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Limited Foundation, and the Heinz Endowments, all for their generous support for this work. Oh, and check out Heinz's terrific podcast, We Can Be, hosted by Grant Oliphant at heinz.org slash podcast. Absolutely. And we certainly thank today's guest and, of course, all of you for listening. And thank you, Mr. Brown. Oh, no, no, no. Thank you, Mr. Brown. Till next time. <laughs> Let's hear it.